extend greetings to you this morning. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I suppose it's not good protocol to start a sermon with a benediction, but we could go home. I really think we could from what we've been fed this morning. Those verses came to my mind as I, as we were discussing the Sunday School lesson and the devotional by Mark. Uh, you know, that's, the, that's our ultimate goal, that, that God can make us perfect through the blood of the everlasting covenant of Jesus Christ. And uh, Dennis was trying to describe what it feels, you know, the... Uh, repentance expression and I guess I, I just thought of my personal experience and I don't know if I've ever given my personal testimony here uh, or not but I, I remember uh, at that time Paul, Brother Paul Ebersole, some of you may know him was having evangelistic meetings at our congregation which was being held in a, uh, a new house at the time, it was actually under construction and his theme for the week was the tabernacle and uh, my younger brother had uh, given his heart to the Lord earlier in the week he was a very, very sensitive person, did nature differently than I am. Not that I'm not sensitive. <laughs> but, I mean, he was every, it seemed like every little thing bothered him. And I was a little more carefree. I was living life. And uh, I, I don't know what I was waiting for. I guess I was waiting for the voice of the Lord to, uh, or the light of God's word to strike me down like the Apostle Paul. I don't know. But uh, I remember waiting distinctly, waiting for the bus during that week one morning, my mom just quietly uh, approached me and she told me, she said, I think you need to seriously think about uh, giving your heart to the Lord. And, uh, and that, was a, that was a prompting that I'll never forget. And I remember going home after that uh, meeting with uh, Brother Paul and my father and uh, I could still take you to the room there. It was an old house right next to a new house that was being built and I could take you to that room where we prayed. And I remember going home to the old farmhouse. I can still remember the position of the bed. And uh, the, the feeling that overwhelms you uh, when you surrender all to the Lord. Last time I, I shared, I talked about growing up. This is part two of that sermon. And uh, I, I wasn't sure if I'd get into it last time or not. And I realized I had, it was more than what I could accomplish in one Sunday. So my meditation this morning is, is entitled aging gracefully and uh, I questioned whether I should be the one to preach this or not but I felt like I needed it so you can just listen in as I preach to myself this morning if if that's the perspective you want to take uh, if you if you gain something from it uh, praise the Lord for that um, <clears throat> I thought back to back over our uh, our congregational experiences here at Prairie and I think I have this correct that at a time when our congregation was 10 families and there was five of us families below, was it 30? And five over 50. I think it was about a 20 years span between the five families. Does that sound right, Alice? Uh, anyway, there was five kind of younger families and then there was five kind of older families. Well, the dynamics of our congregation has probably changed quite a bit since that. And uh, so we've got a, a, a continuation of of ages throughout all different spans. And uh, so I was talking about growing up last time and uh, spiritually, I tried to uh, draw some applications from, you know, uh, the Bible about growing up spiritually. But you know what happens after you grow up? 
Well, and Mark mentioned that a little bit in his some of his thoughts, that, you know, we, we get to a point in life that we, we think we've finally put it all together. And, uh, well, I don't know if that ever really happens. At least I haven't totally experienced that yet. But I told my wife, I said, I feel like I'm entering a new phase of life that is almost like, uh, well, almost like, I don't know how to describe it. You know, it's it's uncharted territory. Uh, you know, we've, we've went through all different steps, and, you know, here you are kind of, uh, you know, going down the other side of the mountain, I guess you'd say, <laughs> or else continue going up, hopefully. But uh... So in, in one aspect, we want to continue to grow in knowledge uh, in Christ, you know, regardless what age we are. I think that's, that should be an aspiration, that should be a desire of the child of God, that we continue to grow and continue to accumulate and, and put to practice knowledge and truth that will make us more in the likeness of Jesus Christ. But you know, and along with uh, what Mark said, I, I, had a, I had this thought written down. It says, however, there comes a point in life where expectations by others toward us are viewed as relative to one's age. You know, there are times that we expect, you know, more of, of who we are, or others expect more of us because of, you know, what we've experienced. You know, each each phase of life, I think, has its own unique experiences. And uh, so I hope we can learn something as we look at aging gracefully. And one of the things I thought about, first of all, I want to look at our culture. Our Western culture is, uh, and I, I Googled quite a few things, and I actually ended up coming back to Brother John Koblenz's book, Christian Family Living, which I think is an excellent book. If you have never read through it, I think it's good, it would be good to read through it. One section in there, he, he lists four things that, that our Western culture is, is a, uh, is a threat to, uh, is negative toward, uh, the elderly or getting older. And, uh, I want to go through those four things here, giving credit to him. He says, first of all, our Western culture, and this is different from, from the Eastern culture. Uh, and I, I was, as I was researching some of this, I, I, I came across a statistic and I didn't write it down, but I think it said, the fifth largest city in the world, which I think it was Shanghai, China, had only one elderly care facility in, in that large city, uh, compared to, you know, our Western culture where every small town has an elderly care facility. And it said their perspective of, of elderly is so much more respectful, typically, than what our, our Western culture views those that are over 58. So, According to statistics, if you're over 58, you're considered older. At least that's according to the research I, I came across. Now, it's, it's something that we want to keep pushing along. I don't really consider, I, I, well, maybe I'm just crossing the threshold or getting to the threshold. I don't know. You can decide that. But, uh, you know, it is something we tend to want to keep pushing along. And we're never quite old. But uh, in reality, we can, we can live in denial if we want to. But, uh, we, you know, we are probably... Uh, you know, if you're over 58, getting 60, on to 70, the average lifespan of, this was 2017 statistics, I think, was the average uh, life expectancy for the U.S. American male was 78.1, I believe. I think that's right. Women are just a few years longer. And actually, it's the second year in decline. I thought that was interesting. I thought we're still going up, life expectancy. But it said it's been two years. This is the second year that the life expectancy for the U.S., Population has actually declined by a couple tenths per year. They're not exactly sure why. Uh, one of the conclusions I think they drew was, or they're assuming, might be drug abuse. Uh, possible could be a playing factor into that. Uh, but uh, coming back to the first point that John gives, he says our fast-paced culture 
is uh, is what uh, challenges our attitude toward the elderly. Uh, time is money. The older we get, we tend to slow down. Old people are viewed as a hindrance to achieving the maximum level of efficiency. And uh, so that's that's the fast-paced culture of our Western society is 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 something that. Uh, is, is a threat to uh, our uh, attitude toward those who are in the sunset years of their life. The second thing he mentions is the idea of change. And I can probably identify to this somewhat. I, I like to think I'm flexible and have the ability to change and adapt and adjust. But, you know, I don't adjust probably as quickly as I did when I was younger. I, I, we can't probably get around that. We like the familiar uh, and then there's that lack of willingness to change, and people interpret that as stubbornness, and uh, you know, and that actually serves as a disconnect between. Uh, I think he expresses it this way: he says it, it serves as a disconnect with the younger generations and the wisdom, and the wisdom that is oftentimes, you know, had by those that are older that have passed through experiences in life. So that serves as a disconnect. You know, we we can't relate to the changes, and we're we're you know we're saying we don't want that change, and and that serves as a disconnect between the two generations. Third thing he mentions is that of independence. Our culture has actually almost made a god of independence, and uh, I like the way he expresses it. He said it's time that we ask: Is dependence really as awful as we make it sound? Because really we are dependent people. We're dependent on God. We're dependent on each other. That's what we were talking about this morning. Brotherhood accountability. We are dependent on each other. And uh, he says it's time to ask if dependence is really as awful as it, as it sounds. You know, we expect our, our, or we think of our children as dependents. But you know, after a life of making decisions and calling the shots, so to speak, you know, it can be an adjustment to both older and younger generations to realize that I am losing some of my independence. I no longer have the ability to make that choice as I one time did. Fourth thing that he mentions is the fear of reality. And he says our modern world in so many ways is artificial. We like to think that we can maintain youthfulness forever. And that our culture and life is pain-free. The mindset that there's a pill for every difficulty is is fleeting because there are times when there are no pills for those problems that we face in life. But our that's our that's our that's our society, that's our culture, that there's a remedy, there's a well there is a remedy, and that's Jesus Christ, but that there's a, a, a external remedy for outside of Jesus Christ for every problem that we face. And that's not true. God planned for generations to be interdependent. And that's a word I, I like to capitalize on this morning. God planned for generations to be interdependent on one another. That's God's plan. That's God's plan for families. That's God's plan, plan for churches and societies and communities. Interdependent upon each other without a generation gap. Our culture actually has coined the term middle-aged. And that is classified from 30 to 58. So I don't know how many of you would fit in that category, but I, I like to challenge you that that is actually not a biblical term. Middle age is not a biblical term. Uh, we go from the youth to the, the elderly or the old, the, those that are older in age in the scripture. But our culture with its mindset has, has coined that phrase of middle age to kind of 
you know, dim the uh, uh, stigma that goes with getting older, I guess you'd say. So those are four very, very, I think, very pertinent points that we need to look at ourselves. Uh, am I caught up in the fast-paced life of my culture that it affects my attitude toward those that are older? Uh, what about the idea of change? Uh, and also the idea of independence and the fear of reality. Uh, you know, life is just a preparing place for eternity. And uh, regardless what phase of life we're in, we need to live it for the honor and the glory of God. And I'd like to ask you to turn your Bibles to Psalm 71. I want to go through this psalm uh, this morning. And uh, this psalm is probably written by David. We're not 100% sure. But, uh, and likely written, if he did write it, it was written by probably an older person, or at least David when he was older. Psalm 71. And that's where I want to go with this this morning. Not what society says, but what the Bible says. And what truths we can learn in relating to older people. Psalm 71. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. Deliver me in thy righteousness, and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me, and save me. Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandments, thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. Deliver me, O my God, out of the hand of the wicked, and out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. For thou art my hope, O Lord God, thou art my trust from my youth. By thee have I been holden up from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. I am a wonder unto many. But thou art my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. For mine enemies speak against me, and they that lay wait for my soul take counsel together, saying, God hath forsaken him, and persecute and take him, for there is none to deliver. O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste for my help. Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my herd. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine, even of thine only. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation, and thy power to everyone that is to come. Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high. Who has done great things, O God, and who is like unto thee? Thou which hast showed me great and sore troubles shalt quicken me again, and shalt bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Thou shalt increase my greatness and comfort me on every side. I will also praise thee with the psaltery, even thy truth. O my God, unto thee will I sing with the harp, O thou, holy one of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee, and my soul which thou hast redeemed. My tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought unto shame that seek my herd. Well, what does David have to share with us here this morning as we look at his perspective, likely looking back over his life's experience? I see in verse 1 there's two conflicting aspects. Uh, that of trust and confusion. 
Uh, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me, let me never be put to confusion. Uh, two conflicting aspects. If our trust is in God, the results will be peace, uh, confidence, and faith. Uh, and you know, we can take that trio of, uh, of peace, confidence, and faith into our golden years of aging. And it will certainly bear us through those trying times of confusion. Uh, you know, confusion is sometimes something that we, old people experience. They're confused. They don't understand. They don't hear right, so they don't understand. Maybe they don't see properly, and so their uh, confusion is a result of that. But uh, when we have peace and confidence and faith and trust in God, that trio can help us to age, I believe, gracefully compared to the confusion or the loss of purpose, the loss of goals, the lack of, lack of productivity. Uh, and that's probably one of the things that, uh, that uh, older people maybe struggle with sometimes is, you know, I remember my father in his later years, he, he wondered what his purpose in life was. Why was he still living here? Mom was gone. They, they had lost their companionship. And he, I know different times visiting with him, he'd say, you know, what's the purpose of me living here anymore? But there is purpose in life. As long as God gives us breath, he has a plan and a purpose in, in us being here. And uh, I think we need to understand and appreciate that. But I, I can certainly identify with, you know, losing some of that uh, uh, perspective of, of, you know, goals and uh, lack of productivity. <laughs> What's, you know, we're geared to perform. We're geared to be productive. And again, that's our culture. But yet there are things that we can do uh, for the honor and the glory of God. And again, that's the result. The result will be putting trust in God so that peace, confidence, and faith can have its effective work in our lives as we relate to others. Verse 2, he says, uh, uh, Incline thine ear unto me. I thought that was an interesting concept, David, as he, he says, God, just turn your ear toward me so I can hear. So you can hear my cry. Uh, turn your ear toward me. Uh, others may misunderstand my purposes. Or others may misunderstand my my uh, ideas and goals. But he had confidence that God knows and hears and understands what he's attempting to accomplish. And uh, he talks about the idea of uh, delivering and escaping and saving. And uh, I thought as I thought about that, it's you know the finish line. I believe in David's life here was probably in view and. Uh, Certainly, he did not want to give up at that point in serving the Lord. He was inclining, he was, he was asking that God would incline his ear to, to hear his cry, to help him across that finish line of life. Uh, you know, it's sad when, when people give up when the finish line is so, so near. Third verse, he talks about protection. He says, Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Uh, you know, God's protection is unequal to anything that the world may may offer us. Uh, he, he uses the idea, I thought it was interesting that he used the idea of, of uh, that I may continually resort to thee. Uh, you know, a time when he came to God, that he could find a time of relaxation, a time of refreshment in that uh, protection of uh, that God provided for him, a place of refreshing, uh, communion with him. And we can certainly experience that today in our lives. In spite of the fast-paced culture or the changes that are taking place, go to God who is unchanging and experience a resort of communion and refreshing in your relationship with Him. You and I can personally experience that 
uh, even without leaving home. And I want to qualify that because I think we do need the broader fellowship of, of like we had here this morning and sharing together in the Sunday school and the devotional as well. Uh, but we can. We can find that those times are refreshing personally with God. Um, I also thought of the, the idea of mistrust of others sometimes as a characteristic of, of aging. And, uh, you know, I, David is... Uh, David is, is anchoring his trust in God. And I, as I thought of the idea of old people mistrusting, you know, that, that's a characteristic of older people. I knew when we moved out here uh, and we started farming, we were looking to buy a herd of cows. And I, uh, we went to see this man that had a herd of cows for sale. And we were, the man was probably middle-aged, probably in his 30s. Uh, but his, his mom... I don't think his dad was living. His mom evidently was still holding the purse strings because we wanted to buy the cows from, we were talking with the boy and looked at the cows and he was married, had a family. And uh, so we wanted to buy the cows. And uh, well, this, well, first of all, we were from Pennsylvania. So we were out of state. Looked like probably a little questionable maybe. I don't know. But uh, she did not trust us at all. She she went along to, uh, to the bank and she made sure the money got done just right. And... Uh, I don't know if she thought we were going to try and take advantage of him or one, but uh, anyway, I found as I thought of the idea, she was at you know I suppose I don't know how old she would have been at the time. I you know I was 21, so she maybe didn't look like I was old enough to to handle things. But uh, I, her mistrust of us just left an impression on me, and uh, you know the the son of course he I, he didn't seem to have a second thought about it, but. Uh, uh, but, you know, that's not our, our, that should not be our relationship with God. We can trust God. But uh, mistrust is, is a challenge for older people, I believe, many times, uh, of others. And, uh, but uh, certainly should not be in our experience with God. <clears throat> verse 4 is a repeat of verse 2, I believe. Uh, there are those that will take advantage of older people. And I, I think, you know, some of that mistrust, that's why, you know, we hear stories and we hear of accounts of people that have taken advantage of older people. But, uh, you know, the, the, the truth is that God sees and God knows. And uh, we need to leave that in his hands. Verses 5 through 11, I was challenged as I looked at those verses. God has a plan for each life. Uh, you know, for a percentage. I can't promise you this morning that you will, uh, those of you that are younger, that you will see old age. I can't make that promise. But for a percentage of us, God does have old age in our in his plan for us. Uh God, uh, uh, God's plan, let's, our lives are in his hands, let's trust him for that. Let's trust the details to him. Uh, verse 6, the psalmist, I believe, realized that. He says that, you know, God had brought him into this world. God brought each one of us into this world. And uh, he, uh, he definitely has a plan and a purpose in bringing us in our part. What is our part in God bringing us into this world? First of all, it's, it's trust. I believe he mentions that there in those verses there. And he mentions the idea of praising. And that you and I would be a living testimony of, of who God is and for him. On into our senior years, if that's what God grants to us. Praise instead of complaining is, is how I would summarize verses 5 through 11. I think the psalmist was doing that. He was praising God. Uh, complaining is oftentimes a characteristic of older people. Uh, instead of complaining, we need to praise God. 
Verse 9, he says, Cast me not in the time of old age, forsake me not when my strength fails. Well, uh, it's failing strength in older ages is certainly a uh, something we just don't get around. We, uh, we can't do what we used to do. Our bodies begin to wear out. And it's normal. And I don't think we need to be apologetic about it. Um, God is the one that we need, and can, we need to and can depend on. Uh, God's Spirit uh, infills us. I ask the question, does God's Spirit infill us more as we get older? Well, I think that's dependent on how much we allow God to infill us. I believe God will fill us and fill us and refill us the more we let him. And that doesn't have to wait to old age. But I believe as we get older, I believe there can be a greater infilling of God's Spirit within us. Uh, as we surrender and as we, the longer we walk with the, law, the Lord, the more I like to think we become like Him. And, uh, so as we, as we continue to walk with Him, I believe God's Spirit can more completely infill us. Again, as, as we, that's not a blanket statement. But, uh, and again, that can take place at different stages of life. I had to ask, how does God minister to, to the elderly? Uh, you know, David here is, is crying out to God for his help, for his protection, uh, and recognizing that God had a plan and a purpose for his life. How does God minister to those that are that are elderly? What is God's purpose? What is God's plan? Uh, I think, first of all, God ministers to the elderly, first of all, through their family. God established family. The oldest uh, organization that was established in, in time, that of the family. I believe God expects family to to. First of all, minister to those that are older in, in their own families. And I think secondly is that of the church. I think the church has a responsibility. I don't think anybody would disagree with that. We have a responsibility to minister to those that are elderly. And then thirdly would be the idea of, of communities. Uh, our social communities have responsibilities too in a less lesser degree, of course. But uh, first of all, family. First of all, church. And then thirdly, communities. <clears throat> challenge I'd like to leave with you in those section of verses is to, to reach out in of your generation that you're in and uh, make friends of someone that is outside of your generational uh, whether it's an older person reaching down to a younger generation or a younger person reaching up across the generational lines to someone that is older. Uh, I think that's a challenge that uh, will bless both ways as we reach across those generational lines uh, and I use that word lines very uh, very cautiously, because I don't think there ought to be lines, but there still is that idea. But reach out and reach across those uh, age, sometimes barriers, and uh, make friends across those lines. Verse 12 talks about developing a sense of God's presence in your life. I think that's something that will help us to age gracefully. Um, you know, God is not done with us here in life yet. God has a purpose. God has a plan as we continue to progress through life. Uh, verse 12 says, Oh God, be not far from me, O oh my God. Make haste for my help. I think uh, David here was giving acknowledgement to the fact that, that he needed God's presence very intimate, very close in his older years. And that's something I think we need if we're going to uh, uh, experience what God wants us to experience. Develop a sense of God's presence in your life and exper- ex- experience his nearness to you and, and, and uh, allow his nearness to impact your life for his glory.
Verse 13. David here says, Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Uh, In my own words, be aware of what is good for your soul. You know, we get focused on blood pressure. We get focused on high cholesterol. Uh, We get focused on all the physical aspects of life and the things that go with aging. And uh, David here, as I thought about verse 13, he says, you know, I need to be careful. I need to be aware of what's really good for my soul. And uh, so I was challenged with that thought as I, uh, you know, how is my spiritual health this morning? We do health assessments. We do health checkups from a physical perspective. What about spiritually? David here is is challenging. He says uh, he's concerned about those that those at those things that were those adversaries that are after his soul, and uh, so be on guard of how your soul is, what the health of your soul is like. Hope, verse fourteen. Hope is another vital ingredient to aging gracefully. Uh, again, it's not just hope of another year. Uh, but rather, it's the object of our hope, and that is God. Uh, the key to the our hope is the object, and that is indeed God. Verse fourteen: I will hope continually, and yet, and will yet praise Thee more and more and more. God expects us to continue to praise Him into our senior years of life. But again, He needs to be the hope, the object of our hope. Verse fifteen: I know not the number. The concluding part of that verse. Um, you know, when you were born, you were given a birth date. 81157 is my birth date. And that date is etched on my birth certificate. It's there. It's permanent. It's not changeable. And I suppose if my parents would have been handed that birth certificate and it had been a dash and there would have been another date after, they'd have said, whoa, what's going on here? You know, we, we accept that. We don't know the ending date. And that's what the psalmist is saying. He says, for I know not the number thereof yet. He was still going. Uh, I think it's thought David died and he's around 70. So I'm not sure. Again, I'm not sure what age. We're not certain what age he would have penned this psalm here. But uh, we do not know the number of our days. There's no concluding date on our birth certificates. But you know, it's a challenging thought to know that God knows what the ending of each one of us sitting here this morning is. What that ending date is. God knows that. And how does that make you feel? Can you have feelings of rest, faith, trust, to know that God has a plan, God has a purpose for each life here this morning? I'm happy to let God know that date. I I thought through that a little while. You know, would it be better to know that ending date? I, I don't think it would be good to know that ending date. God has chosen not to give that date to us. And uh, so we we rest in that, knowing that God is the one who holds that date in his hand for each one of us. Verse 16 talks about uh, trusting in God's strength. Depending on God's strength, when we, our physical strength is diminishing. Um, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness. Um... I think what he's talking about is that of spiritual strength. God, as we move into the senior years of life, I think we need to be stronger spiritually so that we can face the conflicts of life. Uh, 
Not physical strength, but spiritual strength. That's what wins the battle, really. Spiritual strength is what's going to actually win the battle in the end. And I think David realized that. He says, not in the strength of... I will go in the strength of the Lord. How many battles had David fought? How many conflicts had he won? He was a warrior, like none other. And here he says, I go in the strength of the Lord. But you know, the key is, David realized those natural battles that he had won were won in the strength of the Lord. And I think as he faced the spiritual conflicts, he was ready to concede that it's the Lord's strength that's going to see him through. Depending on God's strength, not our physical strength. Physical, physical strength is going to diminish, is going to decline. That's not the end of the world. Trust in the Lord's strength. Verses 17, 18, and 19 talks about communicating God's faithfulness to the rising generation. He mentions that idea. He says that uh, he'd like to be able to be a channel to, to convey that to the rising generation. Uh, of God's faithfulness, the, his wondrous works, his strength, uh, thy power, thy righteousness. God, uh, David wanted to be a channel of, of that, of communicating that to the rising generation. And that certainly is a responsibility that uh, I think seniors have, not only seniors, but we need to, uh, we need to be faithful in communicating that to the rising generation. It's, it's, it's God's strength. It's God's uh, righteousness. It's his power that we are what we are and that we can accomplish what we can. Verses 20 through the end of the psalm there. He talks about comfort. I, that stood out to me. And again, he mentions in verse 23, he says, My soul which thou hast redeemed. And uh, the idea of verse 24, my tongue. Uh, there's comfort on every side as we commit ourselves to the Lord's purposes and plan for our life. Uh, if God has indeed redeemed your soul. And uh, if that has happened, he's given us something to talk about. And we need to be faithful in communicating that. Well, in conclusion, as we think of aging gracefully, you know, it's a challenge, I believe. But it's the result of accumulative years of walking and working and serving God and uh, allowing His grace to affect our lives. And I, to the younger generation, there's no better time than to begin right now because I think that's what it's all about. The younger you begin... The longer that walk is with the Christ, the longer that walk is with Christ, and the more to impact your your elderly, your older years, your senior years. Again, aging gracefully, I don't think just happens without any effort. I think there needs to be effort. I think there needs to be God's grace appropriated in our lives for us to age gracefully. And again, I want to emphasize the intergenerational. It's the way that God planned it. We need each other. And above that, we need him. And may God help us to age gracefully. And to the younger generation, I'll tell you, you'll be there before you know it. That's the way it happens, the way of life. God bless you.